this morning in this uh, time with you. would like to uh, offer a general overview of the uh, steps uh, so far with the discourse, then follow on from there with a uh, guided meditation on the last uh, three themes. Rather nice sitting here and hearing the uh, morning orchestra of the birds outside. They're probably also expressing some uh, relief at the reduction of the heat, passing the word on there. <clears throat> With the discourse, a little bit of, about the background for a moment now. Uh, there are altogether around a lot 10,000 discourses of uh, the Buddha. 300 years after the pass passing, we are told, it is said, that a group, monks, nuns, got together and assembled in a rather classical language form of the Pali language uh, these uh, teachings. And this has become known as the Pali Canon. Pali is the language. <clears throat> and that was the language uh, of the time in that part of North India. And these discourses range from half a page to several pages. And they're formulated into various groups, long, middle length and connected and associated themes, and much more. And out of all of that, there are probably eight or ten of these discourses which are especially loved, especially appreciated, and which really have stood the test of time, because what was stated then is as valid equally today. And there's not much literature in the world which has such a validity. So, to take an example of some of these talks that uh, are much loved in the tradition, one, of course, has to be the first one. And the discourse referred to as the turning of the wheel. And it says, the core message of that is, human beings are caught up in the self in two extremes. One is building oneself up, and the other is putting oneself down. And that's the body of the discourse. And the teachings in that discourse offer a fresh way of relating to life which is free of the tendency to keep putting oneself up or putting oneself down. And that discourse, understandably, humanly enough, has touched millions of people for centuries and still continues to have tremendous relevance for each and every human being on this earth. Another major discourse of the Buddha is the uh, discourse called The Four Applications of Mindfulness, Satipatthana Sutta. And in that particular uh, uh, discourse there, speaks of mindfulness, as you and I are addressing here and elsewhere, and says there are four primary areas for mindfulness to be addressed to in order to live with wisdom, clarity and an awakened life. One is the relationship to the body and to form. Second, to feelings, including emotions. Thirdly, the relationship to the varieties of states of mind. And fourthly, to the inner and the outer. And in each of those uh, uh, areas, Body, feelings, varieties of states of mind and uh, the dharma of the inner and the outer. There's a consistency of internal, external mindfulness. There is a, a leaning in the West and in the East, in the Buddhist tradition, towards the inner. But that's not uh, the Buddhist priority. 
the Buddha's priority is looking inwardly and outwardly, both matter as much as each other. The tradition is more inner, we know that, the meditating tradition. But the teachings are definitely not that way. The outer world is as important in these teachings as the inner uh, world. Another major discourse of the Buddha um, is the Kalama Sutta. And in this discourse there, the, he is asked by the people, the Kalama people, in the questioning about who are we to trust? Who are we to believe in there? There are so many strong voices around us. And in reference to that, he gives several areas to be really careful about. Do not be influenced by any system, religion, ideology, simply because of the numbers of people who agree with it. Do not be influenced by any tradition, system, ideology uh, there, simply because it's been around for a long time. Do not believe in it just because it sounds logical. Do not believe in it because of the charisma of the teacher. Do not believe in it because so many people are persuaded by it. And then to look more deeply so that we are not living as impressionable creatures, because that's our vulnerability, living in impressions there. And then we inquire, and he said, make your inquiry to see that which causes harm and that which is the ending of harm. Make that the priority. Really, it's touched men and women for 2,600 years, this discourse. It has such a ring of truth to it, and never more so in the times that we live in, where there's such <coughs> occupation of our mind, where there is such surveillance of everything we do in our daily life. At home, we're being watched, we're being listened to with the machinery and the gadgets that we have, as well as outdoors. And another, I could go on lots of discourses here. <clears throat> One is the Noble Search. And it's the story, probably one of the most uh, famous human beings in history, Gautama, uh, there. And in his conflict, personal crisis, he could not cope at the age of 29 with the situation in which he was in bound in, in this very wealthy royal family, brought up by a single father, very dominating and controlling, living in a dysfunctional family circumstance, which all of which he relates to, and couldn't cope with the responsibilities, and then found himself as a parent with uh, his wife Yashodara and the weak old son, and just could not cope with the pressure. This was not the Buddha. This is a young man in crisis. And in that, with uh, Gautama, as we know, and he fled. He literally ran away. He couldn't cope. And that started a search. There has to be something more in life than what he was experiencing. Pleasure, consumerism, a role, and the obesity of immense wealth. There has to be something more than that. And that crisis, that existential issue, drove him out of the responsibilities and the roles and the search. It went, this has gone on long before him. It's gone on with plenty of us long after. It still continues. And so he gives an account of his search his experience, what he went through. And again, one of those discourses which has touched human beings very deeply, that there is an authentic validity to search, to engage in a quest, to inquire into life. We have this beautiful capacity and he is a kind of archetypal voice of the reminder of it and it must take a priority in our life. We don't have to run away 
We can find it in the midst, in our inquiry, in the midst of our daily lives, as long as our studies and our <coughs> ethics and our livelihood it shows care and responsibility. If it's harmful, you stop it. You get out of it. You resign immediately. But if you know the work that you're engaged in or the studies is caring, is supportive, uh, that is beneficial for oneself and others, beautiful. That's a very good foundation for a liberating way of life. And, <clears throat> and the other of the many is this discourse. Mindfulness of breathing. It sounds extraordinarily simple and easy and sometimes people will say to me, oh, Christa, oh, oh, you teach mindfulness and meditation. Yes, yes. They said, oh, and, oh, I need a nice quiet period and just, it sounds so nice just to sit on a nice <coughs> comfortable meditation cushion with lovely food, 7 30, 12 30, 5 30, and quiet, and just to sit and to meditate. Oh, it sounds so lovely. You better come and sit before you, so you don't hold on to that view too long. Gosh. It is no easy undertaking for any human being to sit and meditate and face sometimes the harsh reality of one's existence. It is no picnic. And sometimes people have this glorified hallelujah, bliss, <laughs> rapture and harmony, lovely, lovely days together. <sighs> not if you're facing your existence. Not a chance. And so sometimes the body is in protest. There. Sometimes the heart <laughs> and the feelings the history and the stories there, the streams of thought, the ideologies, the conceptualizations, the agitations there, what other people are doing here, whatever. No easy thing to face existence. But that's what the process is about. With that, with the themes of the day, the days that we have here together, it is not always easy to see the link, but it's a very important one between here and the daily life. But first I'll just take uh, uh, the, uh, the links, and I've brought out the, the, in here the sheets of paper. I'm getting old, I might forget. <laughs> so, with the discourse, just a small thing for those of you who are interested in uh, discourses, suitors. The discourses start off, I, 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 I love the uh, sensitivity or the appreciation of this, with beautiful words, I tell you in the Pali, Evam me sutam, starts off each of the, uh, uh, each of the discourses. And Evam me sutam literally means, thus have I heard. It's not starting off these discourses, this is what was said. This is the way it is. Thus have I heard. And it gives the reader immediately a flexibility. And the important thing here, these discourses has no biblical authority. It does not have a Quranic authority. It does not have uh, a Torah authority or whatever. It never is at the tone. The tone in the discourses there, there is, it might be, thus have I heard, it might be in these discourses there is something valuable and useful for my or our daily life. That's the tone. If anything is written in those discourses which has no relevance, is only relevant 2,600 years ago, is unhelpful, useless, pointless, irrelevant, chuck it. Forget it. But if there's something in there which is valid, and one senses it could be useful, explore it. 
We're not here to be Buddhists. We're here to be Buddhas. It's a whole different ball game. So, with that, with the the discourse, <coughs> this one particular one, uh, then the, there's like a jigsaw puzzle. Really, they're all interrelated. Where you see a comment here will be expanded upon there, and, and so forth there. So, in the spirit of that, we began. I'll just briefly, if I may, with you. Two or three ways to look at this. One is, both are valid, one is, one can look at it in the model of development. A gradual development through each of the links. So one starts with the mindfulness of um, uh, the breath, and then it expands its, uh, itself to uh, the, the body. I'll just give the short reminder. It's about knowing what is going on here and now, clearly. As a training to, what is, to know what is going on in some other situation, clearly. So the discourse begins because it's a reference for all other objects, remember, including this. Breathing in long, he, she, he, those, I am breathing in long. Breathing in short, one knows I am breathing in short. So in other words, to be really clear, this is breath going on, this breath is long or is short or somewhere in between, one is quietly mindful and observing what is taking place, to be clear about it. One knows what's happening. And that same principle is to be applied with everything else in life as much as possible. Yeah. And then it goes on to then expanding the attention from the breath, which is usually, of course, through the nose, down through the throat. We feel some expansion in the lungs, in the diaphragm. We breathe in, we breathe out, and then to expand from the breath further to include experiencing of the whole body. The same principle in the daily life, you and I may need to concentrate and place our attention on the particular, such as the breath. But too much concentration on the particular, we will get contracted, limited and defined by the object. It could be your job. It could be your mother or a father. It could be a particular uh, area of interest in your studies or whatever. So, so yes, it is important to focus on the particular in breath and out breath. It is equally important to expand out further in this case, to include the whole of the body. Of course, there's further expansions, and we're going to it in a moment. And then it says, but it's not only important to experience, in this case, the body, the posture, the diet, the vibrations, the sensations, the warmth, the comfort, the stress, the relaxation, it's not only important to experience the body, but he says to bring with the mindfulness a relaxation to the body. So in our case, with the four postures, we are connecting with the, 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 the breathing. This is the kind of thread which runs through and recognizing the value at time to really be really present to the whole of the body. And that sometimes people will come, one-to-one, -one, Ula and myself, other teachers, and the person will be speaking quite a lot about one part of the body. Find themselves constantly concentrating in one part of the body. And from time to time, I've asked the person, Please tell me, is there life outside your knees? <laughs> Etc. Sometimes we can get so 
contracted around anything, one thing, we can't see outside of it. We get addicted, obsessive, so we want to talk about, we lose all our friends because they're sick of listening to us, talk about the same old thing year in, year out. No wonder that you're coming on retreat. <laughs> so, yes, it, there is importance to have a clear relationship with the particular. Of course there is. But there's the necessity to recognise there is life outside the particular. Whatever that might be about. And then, and then one brings to the particular, or to the whole, this is the body as a specific here, um, to remember the relaxation and to bring calmness to the being. Stress often accumulates in our life because we have forgotten, we have neglected the beauty and the preciousness of bringing calmness to the being. It could be in the office. It can be in the factory that you work in. It could be on the street. It could be in the communication. But sometimes in the middle of that, we just need to remember, breathe in, relax with the out-breath. Breathe in, relax. No matter what we might hear, no matter what we might see, uh, no matter how important a particular role is for us, a particular activity, just to make some moment to breathe in, breathe out and relax with it. Frankly, who could argue with the wisdom of that? Who's going to, who would say, oh no, it's much better to be an angry, negative, stressed out, fear fearful, non-sleeping person. <laughs> who, so there's the wisdom of direct experience which is shared with us, thus have I heard, and what's happening in the hall right now, you are listening and you can say, Eva may sutam. That's have I heard this English walla talking about, <laughs> etc. But always it's evam me sutam, and then opanayuko pachatam vedita bovinhuti. Thus have I heard, and then I will see through my experience whether it is useful for me. I will see through my experience whether these instructions of thus have I heard is useful. Leave it to you. <laughs> All right. So that's in the, the first tetrad. The, the tradition has made them four sections, not not, not both. <clears throat> and Then the next touched upon. Uh, 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 with you uh, addressed as well today the importance of the feeling life oh my goodness feelings I'm not sure if there's any teaching that I know of where there is so much reference to feelings as the Buddha it's just in discourse after discourse the extraordinary importance of our feelings in, in, in life. And what's rather bizarre with this, one hears, sometimes from the, from the, from the Buddhist lesson, that um, the Buddha teaches detachment. What is extraordinary, the word detachment does not appear once in 10,000 discourses of the Buddha. There is no reference to it. How on earth did this word, detachment, get so into the public description of Buddha's teachings or Buddhist practice? That you oh, it's all about detachment. <laughs> it doesn't exist in the, in the teachings. It's not what the Buddha teaches. There. 
The word which is used, go for the Pali for a moment, it's rates of happiness here, is upadana. And what, the, what it means is, very easily we look at a situation and we inflame it, we exaggerate it. All greed is the exaggerating of the importance of something. It inflames it. All anger and rage and abuse is an inflaming of a situation. It's a reactivity to it. All fears, I mean being afraid, contracted, tight, is an inflaming of a situation which makes it difficult for us to handle it well. The Buddha teaches the end of inflaming of situations. And the word fire is in Upadana. It's the inflaming of a situation. And Nirvana is the end of inflaming of situations. That's what Nirvana means without fire. One has stopped inflaming situations so that we can see clearly <coughs> and we can act wisely because we see the situation clearly, not reaction, as I spoke to you before, yesterday. <clears throat> Who's going to argue with that? Who's going to say, no, nah, no, nah. it's better to be a greedy, selfish, neurotic, angry, blaming person. Who needs to be free of inflaming those situations? Who would have any interest in Nirvana? <laughs> Right. So then it goes to happiness. There, I was giving a talk in St Stockholm. It's a small example, what I mean. And one of the good people <coughs> who came, she said she was walking past a long. Well, shops, and she saw in the shop window a beautiful and affordable piece of art in the shop window. She looked through the shop window and she said something really just touched her about it. And she just found herself looking at it and, and it, happiness came out of her and she said and she found herself appreciating and experiencing gladness of the work of the artist whatever she or he and the time and the love to put together this piece of original uh, art it was a small statue original art really 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 touching just looked at that she said didn't have any feeling I needed to try and buy it or own it or they just appreciated that and then she said this was in, <coughs> in the meeting <coughs> then the thought arose in her mind oh Christopher's giving a talk and if I stay here any longer I'll be late like that and I said that experience of your gladness and happiness in, and appreciation for that work of art and the love that gone into it that's far more important than anything I've got to say I said if you're going to arrive late that would be the best of reasons for arriving late sometimes in life we, 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 something touches us the, 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 the birds the, the, the morning in, in, the, in, the, in the rainforests in Australia uh, the birds, uh, the, the dawn chorus starts, some of you will know, it just, it's so strong. But sadly, the dawn chorus is getting quieter and quieter. But when we are touched, when something touches us, and the happiness emerges uh, 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 out of us in these moments, Let's forget everything else if we can. Let's just 
feel the happiness and the gladness of that let the heart know that connection which happiness can uh, uh, bring to us and sometimes the happiness comes in the meditations one is quietly happy to be here quietly happy to be in this lovely place so loved so well looked after so many meditators in the past 30 years have sat in this room and have experienced happiness and gone through lots of difficult stuff and and so forth and such care around them wow what a privilege we have what blessings we have and there's a gladness and a happiness uh, with that and in those times indoors or outdoors method and technique what's all that about don't need that it's just a little bit of preparation for the happiness it's not an ideology of identifying with method and technique it is a simple valuable and beneficial tool in order to touch something else it's not worth holding on to it's a resource for us the tool of sitting with an upright posture the tool of standing tall on this earth the tool of being totally horizontal as a very good preparation for being calm and clear in the horizontal posture which is probably the one we will die in and that we can pass out of this world having lived it fully and pass out calmly and witness the last outbreath that makes the horizontal posture a very good practice so all four practices really have a real validity and uh, uh, benefit for us in the monastery i have a photograph in in the my flicker bundle over there and one of the monks who was a wonderful precious monk in the monastery we the teacher and the, and the other monks wanted him to teach us presence and calm and clarity in it and he says no no i can i don't want to be a teacher i'll never be a teacher just explore the dharma and then the, the good man passed away and he said before he died he said actually i'll be a better teacher when i'm dead to be more effective so no need to put me on the pile of wood in the middle of the monastery and burn me keep me so he got the insulin injection of formalin which preserves the body and stops it from stinking and we put him in the glass box and sometimes we would take him out with the other meditators and he'd sit there with the other meditators uh, there and i have a picture there of him and of him in the standing posture this is a bit difficult when you're dead so my teacher is on one side holding his left hand and i'm on the other side holding his hand uh, as well as the three of us are standing there um could look you might not be sure which one's dead or alive but uh, etc one doesn't see these things in the west etc i don't why are we so shy about it but in the, in the, in the monastery that life and death you know go hand in hand etc we we were like a little three intimate couple etc sharing the west is you know, the west is so far behind progressive thinking all right so then you can inflicker anyway so <laughs> i'm not trying to advertise it but anyway only slightly um and then so happiness and joy happiness just for the language position uh, here sometimes the old scholars use the word rapture but rapture in the victorian times and still today is more associated with the, the christian tradition the holy ghost touched us and one experienced huge rapture uh, etc so they use use that word 
we've got rapture as well, you know, etc. But it's not quite. So what I mean here, happiness is the word which is used when we're happy and we're actually feeling it through the body. And sometimes something touches us and it just happiness comes in. The body warms, it feels a sensation. You meet somebody on the train that you haven't seen for 20 years, you're such close, good friends, maybe you were lovers or whatever, and you see each other, you feel the rush, feel the happiness in the being, like that. And happiness can just come quietly in the meditation, it's felt in the body. There is joy, which is a more subtle, subtle form of happiness, not felt so much in the body, but it's there in the heart and in the mind. Just the happiness of a quiet day. Happiness of just being content. Happiness of, sorry, the joy, sorry, of not wanting anything from anybody, oneself or other. Just the quiet joys of life. And we want to be ready and receptive and connected with uh, uh, all, all, all of that. And in that, makes a real contribution to this calming of the mind states. Learning to feel the calmness of the mind states. Uh, there. And then, it, then it, it, it goes on there, so that in the calming of the, of the mind states, less restlessness, less agitation, more quietness of the being, we can just experience the mind and to remember and we can bring in a little bit more clarity with it. Rather than seeing the state of mind um, as me, myself, who I am, which is there, rather to see, ah, oh, this is an object of the meditation. <coughs> this is <coughs> an object um, of the consciousness, of the mindfulness. One is mindful of the state of mind. That which is an object of interest cannot be and is not myself, is not who I am. I can look at the mind, I can experience the mind, I can share my experience with others of the mind. Mind, heart, feelings, thoughts, memories, all that world. Uh, that, that which attention or mindfulness or meditation can go to is an object of interest it's not who I am and but there's no detachment nor detachment from the body because that's a withdrawal it is being cut off from rather our closeness to it is one of being with it uh, being with uh, that close to Mindfully, respectfully, sensitively, insensitively. <coughs> and then, just uh, finally, uh, uh, there in the, the process, uh, all of that contributes to concentration. And what is meant here, just in the uh, language, when I, I am mindful in the moment, one, when the mindfulness in the moment is successive, so that means a little bit more frequent, this regularity, mindful in the moment, mindful in the next moment, mindful in the next moment, then mind might wander, but then one comes back, mindful in the moment. When that develops, it's called samadhi, concentration, or in our language as well, meditation. So meditation is the cultivation which is developing and then it's, it, it, it's a meditation. It's a concentration upon. And this concentration is with the calm, with all that preparation that I spoke of beforehand, really, really contributes in our daily life. So often in life there are things we wish to do, but we're uh, putting it off. Oh, I haven't got time, I'll do it next week, next month. It could be 
there is a need for more concentration power. It could be that we need to let go of some other things to make the space for that. And then after that, there is uh, in that gladness that I referred to uh, often, quite often, and people very kindly send me messages regularly and say, I'm so glad I have exposure to these teachings and practices. They're so helpful for me in my daily life. I just received a beautiful e email uh, 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 yesterday. Someone just full of gladness of the benefits, not only in this case in his personal life, but also the change in his relationship to other people, etc. Some people just think, wow, it's been so beneficial there. And that gladness mm -hmm. is, uh, is spoken of, that gratitude, that appreciation in the discourse as part of the meditation practice. And then finally, all of this is contributing to a freeing up of the mind. We don't feel so weighed down, don't feel so heavy. We have greater access to the happiness. We are doing our practices to calm the being. So, thought went on longer than uh, usual, but be grateful you're not talking to some of the Thai teachers. Well, in the daily talk, just give you a little bit of comfort here. In the daily talk in the monastery, and the, talk, the teacher gave a talk every evening, 365 days a year. One never knew how long it would last. <laughs> that was the difficulty. So sometimes he talked for 10 or 15 minutes, and I didn't speak any Thai, you know, English, we have uh, some DNA missing with regard to learning foreign languages. Uh, there, so I had to rely on the translation. Um, uh, afterwards, uh, there, and sometimes the teacher would talk for 15 minutes. He's getting it, and I could see the monks in good sense, really interesting. He said, Oh, no, it's enough. Oh, come. The longest talk was four and a half hours. Started at eight o'clock in the evening. No, it's five and a half hours. And it, we finished, I remember, still remember it. I remember the pain. <laughs> <laughs> finished at one thirty in the morning. He went on and on. And he didn't care, monks were <laughs> like this, and nuns were like this, you know. And he just carried on, etc. So I was speaking about this to some of my dear friends who are students of Tibetan teachers. And it's about five and a half hours. We had, our teacher once started at five in the afternoon and finished at one in the morning. No questions. Just talking and sleeping. <laughs> it's, a, it's a different tradition here. If you, here, if you go beyond 40, 40 minutes, people are going like this in front of you. <laughs> Not really, it's too bad. All right. So, a um, little bit later, we'll have the uh, guided meditation. Let's just have um, three or four minutes of shared uh, silence uh, together. And as I mentioned at uh, uh, this time, Taking that interest in the, con the gladness, the concentration of the mind, and sometimes a certain quiet sense of freedom of the mind that can be there, and just acknowledging and recognizing when one's not troubled, worried, anxious about anything. Certain freedom of the mind, not lost in that.
So with the uh, practices today, some there may be a feature in the process which is a priority for you at this time. May just be development of mindfulness of breathing in, mindfulness of breathing out, with calm and clarity. For another, it might be giving extra uh, mindfulness, meditation, concentration uh, to the body, for a calm, clear relationship to the body, and that might be the priority. Maybe a priority, maybe around um, happiness, feeling of it in the body, or, or joy, or just relaxing, re- remembering just to relax the, the states of mind and the states of body, all of that which is included in the sequence. Or, as mentioned to you a few moments uh, ago, um, that uh, interest in the gladness experience, the gratitude, the appreciations, that may be related to the present or to the past, letting our being be nourished and touched with that. And uh, and for some it may be that quiet development of relaxation with concentration, making and ensuring that the two are cooperating and working uh, together. Uh, there, or the experience that sometimes we are in the day and we can recognize that here and now, in this day, there's nothing troubling me, not in agitation or anxiety, and just to recognize and acknowledge those periods of time when there's a certain kind of freedom of, of mind, genuinely sensing of being at peace with oneself and peace with what is around us. Now to that much love and compassion and wise, clear action uh, can emerge. We're just checking with our experience, see what's valid for us. If there's a little bit of confusion, I would suggest then just mindfully breathing in, mindfully breathing out, and being centred and grounded that way. Today we've put on the notice board uh, the times, uh, open spaces there, and do feel free to put your name in and uh, Ula and I will see uh, again a number of you today and it will be the same tomorrow as well with uh, spaces and times and you just put your good name. Good, so it's uh, 10.30 uh, at this time some uh, walking uh, meditation. Thank you.